It's a funny place to be, stuck in a seemingly mundane world with an inner knowing that the universe is so much more than our mortal minds can comprehend. Yet we all have the capacity to know peace and our oneness with the wholeness of life. And through these interviews, discussions, and reflections, it is my intention to share this possibility. I'm Ryan Kurzak, and this is the Kriya Yoga Podcast. So here we are, the final episode of Season 1 of the Kriya Yoga Podcast, and this is Episode 108. Now, it's been a long season. We've been together on this podcast for four years now. Um, The previous 107 episodes, we've had the opportunity to explore yogic philosophy and how to apply it within your daily life. We've explored tips and techniques to improve your meditation practice. And we've also had the opportunity to interview um, quite a few informative guests who mostly are also teachers in the Kriya Yoga tradition um, within the lineage of Mahavatar Babaji, Lahiri Mahasaya, Swami Sri Yukteswar, Paramahansa Yogananda, Roy Eugene Davis, and their successors. And so what are we going to talk about today? What are we going to cover during the final episode of the Kriya Yoga podcast? Well, today's episode is inspired by a conversation I was having with another of my mentors who also uh, is a bit of a sage in his own right. Uh, not well known, not on social media, hasn't written any books, um, but I've always derived quite a bit of inspiration uh, by interacting with him. And the topic that we were discussing was suffering. Why does suffering occur? And I thought this would be a good topic to conclude the podcast. Also because whenever I teach classes in person and we have Q&A sessions, inevitably someone asks, why is there suffering in the world? It's a good question. It's one that I'm sure humans have contemplated uh, for thousands of years and Numerous philosophers, spiritual teachers, obviously have not been able to satisfy the answer to that question. So I'm not going to pretend that I have the capacity to put an end or to give uh, a definitive answer as to why there is suffering in the world. However, I am going to refer to this conversation I had with this mentor of mine, as well as review a conversation that Paramahansa Yogananda had with Ramana Maharshi. And we're also going to consider what do the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali have to say about this topic. Now, before we get too deeply into this topic, it's important to remember that suffering is real for everyone. It is an experience that at one time or another, or one way or another, will come to all of us. And the intensity of suffering is going to vary from individual to individual. And so with this discussion, I have absolutely no intention to invalidate any of the difficulty or trauma or suffering that is available to humanity and that any of us have experienced on an individual level. My goal here today is to speak to uh, suffering from a spiritual perspective, recognizing that there's a reason that spirituality, real spirituality, authentic spiritual growth processes aren't that popular. Um, We can pretend and we can often um, find ourselves defining our experience through a religious tradition But to live a spiritual life requires a a very different viewpoint of the world and the experience of the world than most people want to engage in. And the world is built upon light and darkness, shadow, and 
the gray areas. There is joy, there is pleasure, there is pain, there is elation, and there is suffering. All of that is included in a full human life experience. But the purpose of spiritual practice is to grow through the spiritual experience, not to deny it, not to invalidate it, but to grow through it. And so this makes the discussion of suffering a little tricky because it really depends on the state of consciousness of each of us as individuals as to how we will respond to something like a topic uh, such as suffering. It also depends on our life situation. When we are in the throes of difficulty and someone speaks about suffering from a spiritual level, it can almost seem like a slap in the face or um, that one is being uh, not, not having compassion for a very real, uh, valid uh, difficulty that someone might be going through. So again, as we talk about this, um, it's probably better to reflect upon this discussion when you are in a fairly balanced, um, peaceful frame of mind. This is not necessarily the discussion you probably want to be listening to uh, when you are caught up in um, a world of, of pain at the moment. So please keep this in mind. Now, what do we want to talk about here? And I want to begin with Sutra 2 of the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali excuse me, Sutra 2 of Chapter 2 of the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. Now, you've heard me discuss previously the definition of Kriya Yoga as it relates to the Yoga Sutras. And in that definition, uh, it states that intensity in spiritual practice, um, personal study, application of mantras and sacred teachings, aligning of attention with the self, teacher, the God within, that these are the practices, or this essentially is the definition of Kriya Yoga. But I don't always follow it up with the next sutra, although that's what we're going to do right now. The sutra that comes after this definition states what the purpose of Kriya Yoga is. And the purpose of Kriya Yoga is said to be realizing cognitive absorption, or samadhi. Many people translate that as a oneness experience or a transcendent experience. But it goes on to say, and also it has the purpose of weakening the root causes of pain. So Kriya Yoga is intensity in spiritual practice, personal study, application of mantras, surrender to the God within, the infinite eternal self. This is Kriya Yoga. And the purpose of Kriya Yoga is to experience samadhi, cognitive absorption, but also to weaken the root causes of pain, to weaken the root causes of pain. So when you weaken the root causes of pain, what are you doing? You are weakening the capacity for suffering, because pain is suffering. And so just like when you are trying to remove um, a tree that you know is going to grow back, the best way to do it is to remove the roots. So when it comes to suffering, we can see that from the Kriya Yoga standpoint, the purpose of Kriya Yoga is to remove the root cause of suffering the root causes of pain. And the sutra that comes after that, Sutra 3 of Chapter 2, basically states that the root, the absolute root cause of pain is absence of self-awareness, absence of self-awareness, attachment, aversion, 
the will to live, the sense of I am, that these are the root causes of pain. But everything everything comes from absence of self-awareness. That is, that is the taproot. So we might have the sense of I am, the sense of individuality as a root. We have attachment as one of these roots. We have dislike or aversion as another root. Uh, the will to live. And these are said to be the root causes of pain. But the essential one that all of these all these other roots stem from, the taproot, is absence of self-awareness. Avidya, ignorance, where absence of self-awareness is the field for the other root causes of pain. So we, we read that Kriya Yoga, the purpose of Kriya Yoga, is to weaken the root causes of pain. And that the main taproot is... Um, avidya, absence of self-awareness. All right, let's continue. What is an absence of self-awareness? We can look at it as unconsciousness, being unconscious. And so the purpose of Kriya Yoga really is to make us conscious, wake us up. Mr. Davis at the retreats at CSA, um, he would often tell the same stories, especially if you went multiple times a year, you would hear similar stories. And I can recall hearing him tell a story about uh, the Buddha. And people would ask the Buddha, you know, are you enlightened? And the Buddha would say, no. People would ask, are you spiritually aware? The Buddha would say, no. People would ask, are you this? Are you that? And the Buddha would say, no. And finally, in exasperation, he was asked, well, what are you? And the Buddha said, I am awake. I am awake. And being awake really means to be conscious. Now, this is important. I'm making this distinction for a reason. And of course, to go back to that story I was just telling, as you become more awake, you do become more spiritually aware. So forgive me for not telling the story perfectly, but you get the idea of what I'm, I'm trying to express here. So Kriya Yoga, the purpose of Kriya Yoga, and the purpose really of all authentic spiritual paths are to make us conscious. And so if we consider it this way, Really, when it comes to suffering, we have a choice in the matter. And this brings me to the discussion I was having uh, earlier this morning. This mentor that I was talking to, he's much older than me. And I had mentioned that pe people ask me a lot, you know, what is... Um, why does suffering occur? And he didn't hesitate. He didn't hold back. He said, suffering is a choice. He said, suffering is a choice. And that struck me because at first I thought to myself, well, I remember suffering and I don't necessarily remember choosing to suffer. Uh, but as the, the conversation progressed, what I realized was, that suffering is a choice. And the problem is when you are unconscious, you don't, you can't make a choice. So when we think about Kriya Yoga and spiritual practice, and we think about or we consider um, how does spiritual practice end suffering? Well, does it end suffering? in such a way that through the practice itself, any situation that could cause pain evaporates. Does it do that? Is that realistic? When we look at spiritual teachers, did they avoid things that were difficult? 
just because they were more awake. Ramana Maharshi still died of cancer. And if you see pictures of him at the end of his life, um, any other person, I would quite imagine, would be in agony. Um, other spiritual teachers have also experienced difficulties in their life. But what's the difference? They didn't choose to suffer in those moments. Other people I have known who are not well-known, who are not famous, who were quite spiritually aware, went through many difficult situations, and through those situations, they were still radiant. They were still enthusiastic. Of course, when they were in pain and something was going absolutely wrong, they felt it. But they didn't choose to define their life by those experiences. And so as I've observed others, you know, even when I heard that statement, you know, suffering is a choice, at first there was some resistance to it. And of course there's going to be resistance to it. But the more I reflected upon it, and the more I considered the people I have known, whom I've read about, whom I've known personally, with quite a bit of awakeness in their life, it seems quite accurate that they made a different choice than most people do. And why were they able to make that choice? Because they were more conscious. Now, it's easy to take that idea, someone's more conscious than another person, and turn it into some kind of judgmental thing. But it doesn't have to be a judgmental thing. It just has to be an observation of how a person responds to the world. When someone responds to the world based on subliminal influences, past traumas, past conditioning, and they have, they don't have control over that, they are functioning from an unconscious state. When a person goes through life and has different experiences and they're able to be present and look around and take in all the possibilities and then make a choice not driven by past difficulty or past desires, but they make a choice simply based on what is appropriate for that moment. They are living in a conscious fashion. And when we go in depth with the Yoga Sutras, there's quite a few descriptions that say, as we learn to practice Kriya Yoga, and as we learn to train ourselves to experience Samadhi, which you, if you haven't already heard me talk about enough in previous episodes, learning to experience Samadhi is a very accessible thing when you know how to do it. That's why we have Kriya Yoga. It can be done by anyone who wants to take the time to do it and put the effort forth to do it. But by experiencing that, what happens? We begin to resolve and release this subliminal or subconscious conditioning which has driven us in the past um, to be reactive rather than responsive. And so when we read the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali and we read about Kriya Yoga practice, what we see is that it is essentially making us more conscious. That doesn't mean that we do not still get burnt when we touch the stove. That doesn't mean that our heart is not broken when we lose a loved one. It means that we are able to consciously respond to that while remaining awake, aware of what we are as an infinite, present moment, spiritual being. That is what Kriya Yoga does. And so what we see here is suffering comes to an end. And by the way, in the Yoga Sutras, there is a specific phrase that says that suffering, uh, that suffering which has not yet been experienced is to be ended. So there is an emphasis on ending, resolving the root cause of suffering throughout the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. But the emphasis is on becoming more conscious. And so when I was listening to this uh, mentor teacher of mine say that suffering is a choice, and I initially recoiled from that, again, for obvious reasons, you probably do too when you hear that statement. 
when I reflected upon it and I, I considered what I had learned through the study of the Yoga Sutras, through the study of my Kriya Yoga meditation practice, through the observations of um, my spiritual teachers, as well as other people who are quite awake in life, uh, that seemed to be a, a very valid statement. So it is through the practice of Kriya Yoga, it, it's not that that removes those circumstances which cause us to suffer. Through the practice of Kriya Yoga, we become conscious, more conscious, so that we do not define ourselves through suffering. And when you do not define yourself through suffering, you do not identify with suffering. You do not identify with suffering. Now, I hate to have to say these kinds of things, but don't take what I just said beyond the intention. Meaning, don't become uh, a hard, distant person who runs around looking at people who obviously are identified with suffering and tell them they shouldn't do that. When you are unconscious, and we've all been that at some point in time, that doesn't help to be told <laughs> that suffering isn't real. It doesn't help to be told, um, oh, you're just unconscious. That's why we have to, over the period of our life, engage in study and practice so that we become more conscious, so that we can realize this for ourselves and live from it. And that is also why this is of benefit to your family, to your friends, to society, because the more conscious each of us become individually, without pushing the agenda on everyone else. Others see through example what is possible. And then through providing that example, in the same way that people look to their favorite sports star, or their favorite race car driver, or their favorite musician, or if they're interested in business, their favorite business person, well, those individuals who feel a interest in the awakening process will see you as an example. We'll see any individual that is, that is trying and, and, and working towards becoming more conscious, and they will be inspired to do that for themselves as well. So for each of us, we are meant to do this on a personal level. And then by example, inspire others. Again, not fanatically, not to push it in their face, but just to be that example and let those who are inspired by that example to also move towards becoming more conscious. Now, I want to discuss a conversation between Ramana Maharshi and Paramahansa Yogananda. And this is the conversation that I always look to and quote whenever someone asks me, uh, why is there suffering in the world? And again, I do this because, as I said in the beginning, this idea of suffering and the, the, the difficulty with suffering has obviously been around for a long time. And more than likely, every philosopher, every spiritual person in the world has been approached so, as you know, Yogananda returned to India um, in the mid-1930s. And as he returned to India, he made a point to visit Ramana Maharshi. And this is the exchange. This is the exchange that occurred between Ramana Maharshi and Paramahansa Yogananda. So, Yogananda asked these questions. Yogananda asked, How is the spiritual upliftment of the people to be affected? What are the instructions to be given to them? And Ramana Maharshi responded, They differ according to the temperaments of the individuals and according to the spiritual rightness of their minds. There cannot be any instruction in mass. And Yogananda said, Why does God permit suffering in the world? Should he not with his omnipotence do away with it at one stroke and ordain the universal realization of God? And Ramana Maharshi responded, suffering is the way. Suffering is the way of realization of God. 
Yogananda responded, Should he not ordain it differently? Maharshi, it is the way. And then Yogananda persists. Are yoga, religion, etc. antidotes to suffering? And Ramana Maharshi responded, They help you to overcome suffering. Yogananda, why should there be suffering? And Ramana Maharshi, in his classic approach, says, Who suffers? What is suffering? Yogananda gave no answer. And so we see here in this exchange that we have Paramahansa Yogananda, who, by all accounts, at that time, was quite spiritually advanced. This is Paramahansa Yogananda asking Ramana Maharshi, why is there suffering in the world? So you see, you're not alone in wondering why there's suffering in the world. Even when you had experiences like Yogananda, even when you had a teacher like Swami Sri you may still wonder about this. But Ramana Maharshi, he says that suffering is the way of realization of God. And Yogananda asks, should he not ordain it differently? Ramana Maharshi says, it is the way. Yogananda asks, are yoga, religion, etc. antidotes for suffering? And Ramana Maharshi says, they help you to overcome suffering. So Ramana Maharshi is pointing out that through the practice of yoga, or the practice of your authentic spiritual tradition, that you are able to overcome suffering. And how do you overcome it? Well, yoga, your spiritual tradition, your religions, are meant to, as I've said before, wake you up, make you more conscious. And so then once you become more conscious, you have a choice in the matter. You have a choice in the matter. And this is, in a sense, what you come to realize as you persist in your meditation practice, as you persist in your Kriya Yoga practice. Because as you persist in your meditation practice, your Kriya Yoga practice, you begin to lose avidya. You begin to lose um, the, the absence of self-awareness dissolves. And you begin to recognize that you are not a limited personality who is just being put through the ringer uh, on this earth plane. What you realize is that you are an individualized aspect of this infinite consciousness. And you are moving through the process of waking up, which is the process of evolution of consciousness, the process of the evolution of consciousness. Sri Yukteswar, in his book, The Holy Science, describes this movement of consciousness from truth, stillness, the Om vibration. And he describes the movement of creation. And, and those of you who are familiar with Samkhya philosophy, um, it's described through that process. We've talked about that before in other podcasts and in other classes. But he describes how consciousness works through the mineral kingdom. So the mineral kingdom is conscious in a way that the mineral kingdom can be conscious. And then consciousness is able to take on the experience of the plant kingdom, plants, and then the animal kingdom. And eventually... Um, Consciousness is able to experience life through a human form. So we go from the mineral to the plant to the animal to the human form. And when we're in the human form, which all of us are who are listening to this, um, maybe your rocks on the counter, your crystals are also listening to it too. If so, maybe it's helping to enlighten them a little bit and your plants and your little pets and so on. But those of you who are human, we're hearing this, and most people are really here just to have the human experience, to experience consciousness as a human being. And what does that mean? 
That means you want to have babies. That means you want to get involved in the world in all kinds of neat and interesting ways. You want to get lost in this experience of life and you want to have a great story to tell when you get to your deathbed and you want to explain how you overcome these obstacles and the successes that you had and how you moved through certain difficulties and the people that you met and you want to discuss the richness of your story. You're identified with the human experience and that's what consciousness does. So there's nothing wrong with that. But some of us, those of us who are listening to this podcast or who are practicing Kriya Yoga and other spiritual practices, and that's really one of the most important goals and directions of our life, what are we doing? We've had the human experience, and a lot of us still kind of like it. We might not want to admit that. We want to say that spirituality is the best thing, but the moment you start talking about what is absolutely required to wake up, many people kind of back up a little bit and say, whoa, whoa, whoa there. Um, I don't want to go that far. But, you know, for the most part, uh, the majority of people are at a point in their, their human conscious evolutionary experience where they're ready to, to keep going. They're ready to keep going. And what does um, Shurkishwar describe comes after human consciousness? He says, essentially, you evolve into the realm of the devas. Now, many people interpret this as like from the Hindu tradition, like the gods. From other traditions, we could say it's like the angelic realms. It's a realm that is next up from humans, just like from an moving from animals to humans. Well, this is like moving from uh, humans to the next part of this evolution of consciousness. And then it keeps going even beyond that to the sannyasin stage or the supremely free. And uh, you've heard this story. I'm going to tell it again. When Roy Eugene Davis, my Kriya Yoga teacher, one time when he was walking with Paramahansa Yogananda, he would often say that he didn't really have any questions when he went to visit with Yogananda, but they were walking around the grounds as they, they would often do. And Yogananda just said to him, well, do you have any questions? And Roy said one popped right into his mind. The question was, how many of the saints and sages that you wrote about, the yogis that you wrote about in Autobiography of a Yogi, were fully and completely spiritually enlightened. And he said, Yogananda didn't hesitate. He wasn't being judgmental. He just stated clearly and frankly, not many. He said, most of them are content to hang out in the bliss of God communion, that they don't go all the way. Now, we can interpret that using this this model that Sri Rikteshwar discussed in the Holy Science, we can interpret that to indicate that many yogis, many very highly advanced spiritual people, they're happy to experience uh, the realm of the devas. They're happy to transcend internally the human experience and to have an experience of this next stage of evolution. But they don't go all the way to the supremely free, the sannyasin. And really, heck, if you make it that far, that's pretty good. So we're not fault-finding here. But one of the things that Yogananda said to Roy, he said, you must go all the way. You must go all the way, and you can do it. And he talked to Mr. Davis that way. So it is possible for us to continue uh, our journey. But as Kriya Yogis, essentially what we are doing is learning to live appropriately in this human world. Absolutely. Live appropriately. Um, be as conscious and awake as possible because we are a example for the rest of the world. And as we've seen, you might not be able to really recognize it all the time, but when you look back through history, despite we still have lots of trials and tribulations and a heck of a lot of unconscious difficulties going on, we have actually become quite a bit more conscious as a whole when we look back 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, 1,000 years ago. So we're all moving in that direction. And as we ourselves learn to grow into this more expansive state, as we learn to let go of the small sense of self, 
as we learn to be, as we learn to let go of and dissolve this absence of self-awareness, as we learn to dissolve this root cause of pain, as we practice our Kriya Yoga practice, we do, on a very subtle level, influence uh, the wholeness of, of, of consciousness. So essentially, it is through our practices that we learn the place of suffering in life. And ultimately, eventually, we see that suffering is just part of being human, just like joy is part of being human, just like the need to have social connections is part of being human. All these things which are common to humanity, it's just, it's just part of that consciousness of humanity. And again, the reason that a lot of, um, a lot of the subtler work from a spiritual perspective doesn't get that engaged in very often by most people is because most people really are pretty comfortable just staying human or, or at least identifying with the, the, the human field of awareness. And how do you know that? Because how many people do you know that could live like Ramana Maharshi? How many people do you know that could live like Paramahansa Yogananda, dedicating his life to teaching Kriya Yoga, making that his sole intention, and also developing his own inner practice, making that so important to him that he made sacrifices that no other humans really do, you know, not having children, not having relationships, um, focusing more on uh, exploring how to reach more people to encourage them to be more conscious. That was his goal and role and mission. Or again, Ramana Maharshi, who spent his life uh, on a couch in southern India, uh, not having any belongings really of his own, except maybe his loincloth, just constantly answering question after question about how to be self-realized. That is, those are examples of two people who um, have likely experienced that deva state of consciousness. It's, it's like they exist on another level, and they do. But it's not an inaccessible level. It's a level that's accessible to all humans everywhere, uh, but we do have to engage in processes which give us access to that. And again, referring back to many of the sutras in, yoga, in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, we can see that it is yogic philosophy, it is yogic meditation done effectively that reveals this to us, which removes the root causes of pain. And then when that occurs, the idea of suffering is appreciated in a very different light. Will all the suffering in the world ever just disappear? Not likely, because there will always be some level of this infinite consciousness which wants to experience the human drama. In the same way that even though there are billions of humans on the planet, which means that consciousness through these billions of humans has evolved, there's still a heck of a lot of rocks out there. <laughs> which means that consciousness is still existing in rock form. There are still plants. There are still animals. It's not, it's not that you move from one level to the next and then the level below you just disappears. It really comes down to, again, this idea of choice. You, as an individualized expression of this one infinite consciousness, what do you want to experience? If you want to experience the human drama, it's right there for you. If you want to just be an animal, and you might know many people who really just behave like animals, it's right there for you. If you want to keep directing your awareness to subtler realms of experience, you practice the yamas and the niyamas until they become second nature to you. You learn to meditate in a yogic fashion so that you can repeatedly experience a samadhi state 
And by repeatedly experiencing that samadhi state, these root causes of pain, which we've discussed, they become thinner and thinner. They become less forceful in your life until eventually you are able to fully internally, if you're still living as a human being, you're able to fully internally experience uh, that realm of the devas or a heaven-like realm. And as you know, Mahavatar Babaji had said that the realm of heaven exists clear down through this earth plane. So it's possible for us to experience it right here. Will your outward world look much different? It may, it may not. But internally, your frame of reference will be a place of stillness immersed in this experience of samadhi or oneness consciousness or cognitive absorption. And how is that done? It's done slowly over time through repeated practice. Once you find a way, a method to experience internalization of awareness, and maybe you have a teacher that can help you, you continue cultivating that until it becomes second nature to you. Once it becomes second nature to you, then you begin to have an understanding of what it means to uh, experience the next stage in human consciousness. And that is the whole reason, the whole purpose for Kriya Yoga practice. That is why in that discussion with Ramana Maharshi, when Yogananda asked, are yoga, religion, etc., antidotes for suffering? Ramana Maharshi responded, they help you to overcome suffering. And I find that particularly important to consider because many people who read Ramana Maharshi's uh, literature somehow often get to the point where they say, well, what's the point in doing any of this stuff? Ramana Maharshi said, just sit there and be still or just abide as the self. Well, Ramana Maharshi also understood that not everyone can do that. And so for some people, he would advise japa, mantra practice, pranayama, all methodologies which are common to yoga and kriya yoga, prayer and so on, even the idea of surrender. Um, and, and as you practice, as you become more conscious, then you are able to understand Ramana Maharshi much better when he asks questions like, well, who suffers? What is suffering? Because at that point, you then have experienced a depth of samadhi, a oneness consciousness, the ability to practice dharana, concentration, dhyana, meditation, and samadhi altogether, that when you wonder, well, who suffers? Because of your training in mantra, in pranayama, in asana, because of your foundation in the yamas and niyamas of yoga, you can look at that question and you can become very still inside and you can analyze or experience directly, well, what is this who that you think you are that is suffering? And it seems like a koan, probably when I say it now, but when you are able to look at that and reflect upon it until realization dawns, you can hold your awareness there, you can focus, practice dharana, you can meditate on it, practice jhana until samadhi results. When you immediately recognize, oh, this who that I think I am that suffers is really just a fiction it's a collection of thoughts, of quirks, of idiosyncrasies, of personality traits, of likes, of dislikes. It's, it's really, it's a persona. It's playing a role here. And then there's like a, a, a flash of insight and you recognize that the who behind that who or that what is this infinite, eternal consciousness. And then it becomes impersonal. And then you begin to see the bigger picture of your own life experience, of human experience, of consciousness itself. And it almost becomes an invalid question. Why is there suffering in the world? But we don't want to jump ahead of ourselves. There is a very real reason why we meditate. There is a very real reason why we practice harmlessness, truthfulness, non-stealing, contentment, non-possessiveness, and so on. We do that 
because that is the stage that we are in and that is what is necessary for us to become more conscious as a human being and therefore give us more internal choice in how we define ourselves and what our experience is. And then we can begin to choose to define ourselves as infinite eternal spirit or realize not we're not defining ourselves we are that we can we can choose to direct our attention to that realization and then live from that realization and then when you live from that realization um, it's as though you become one with god it's as though you as they say, you, you realize the Christ consciousness. And we're all here to realize that. It's, it's available to all of us. And so we practice for this reason. This is what Kriya Yoga is all about. There's no easy answer for why is there suffering in the world. And for many of us, it's difficult to even reflect upon that for all kinds of reasons. But in this situation, what I would say is, don't worry about it. Do your best to be appropriate in life so that you don't put yourself in situations where suffering is obviously going to affect you. And then, because you're human and one way or another, it's gonna find you, um, do your best to be strong, to appropriately relate to the situations and difficulties of your life but don't let it define you. Do your best to not let it define you. And how you do that, that's going to be an individual process. But you have to find a way. And in the meantime, continue to practice meditation. Continue to study yogic philosophy. Continue to visit with those spiritual teachers that inspire you. Continue to spend time with those people who are spiritually uplifting and supportive of you. Continue to be of service in a world uh, continue to be of service to the world in a way that is meaningful to you. And then recognize as the days, months, and years go by that you are becoming more and more conscious. And this reminds me of a time when Mr. Davis was asked if he was enlightened. And I always find this question fun because, you know, anytime you're, you're a teacher of any spiritual topic, uh, that question is going to come up. And it's kind of a ridiculous question because on one hand, you know, if you answer it in the affirmative, it's easy to be accused of being egotistical or deluded. But if you answer in the negative, well, then people decide they don't want to listen to you anyway. <laughs> so it's kind of a minefield. And I always appreciated uh, Mr. Davis's response to this. He was asked, are you enlightened? And Mr. Davis said, all I know is I'm a little more awake every day. All I know is I'm a little more awake every day. And so that is what we are meant to do. We are meant to wake up just a little more each day. And so with that, um, I want to encourage you to recognize and affirm that Every time you meditate, every time you try to embody the yamas and niyamas, every time you try to do your best in life, really, to be more conscious, to be more responsive rather than reactive, every time you move a little bit closer to cultivating an experience of samadhi, you are becoming a little more awake each day. And that accumulates so look at your life, look at your spiritual practice over the long haul. Look at it as a lifetime thing rather than something that you'll just try to do for a few months or a few years and see what happens. If you find a practice that, that resonates with you, if you find a teacher that can help you engage it, move forward with it, learn and grow, and you will find yourself just a little more awake every single day. Okay, well, this will conclude 
episode 108 of the Kriya Yoga podcast. This will conclude four years of time together. Feel free to go back and review the previous episodes. There's a lot of good information in there. And my intention as I was doing the Kriya Yoga podcast was to put out episodes um, that could be reflected upon multiple times, that looked at themes that come up again and again for students of, of the spiritual path. Those of you who are interested in continuing to participate in this community during the sabbatical, of the Kriya Yoga podcast, please consider joining us, the Patreon community, Kriya Yoga Online. You can go to patreon.com slash Kriya Yoga. And there, uh, there's actually quite a big community there now, uh, but we have monthly lessons that I put out at the beginning of each month. Also, um, a monthly online Q&A for students to join in through Zoom and ask their questions and have them answered. And through the Patreon community, whenever I do online events or even when I do uh, in-person workshops and initiations, I tend to give that announcement to members of the Patreon community first, as well as the Kriya Yoga Apprenticeship Program. So you get um, early bird announcements on events. Uh, also, the Kriya Yoga Online YouTube channel, those of you who aren't familiar with it, youtube.com slash Kriya Yoga Online. There you will find over 400 videos on yogic philosophy, meditation. There's uh, a section that has um, playlists with 20-minute, 40-minute, an hour and a half, two-hour meditations to follow along with. And then, of course, um, I've got a few books out that can help you. The main one to study is An Essential Guide to Kriya Yoga Practice. Uh, that was just released in 2022. Also, the book Kriya Yoga, Continuing the Lineage of Enlightenment. This is a great book. It's one of the first ones I wrote, and it has a commentary on the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, if you want to go into more detail with that. And two other books, small books, Mahavatar Babaji and the Garden of Faith, and a book called the Complete Essence of Kriya Yoga Practice, which is a series of transcripts of conversations I had with Roy Eugene Davis. And those are meant to be a little inspirational booklets for you. So that said, thank you so much for being a part of these four years. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I look forward to seeing you when season two starts. And um, until then, Keep meditating, keep studying, do whatever it takes to remain inspired on your long-term spiritual path, and then surrender to the process. Engage your own self-effort, do your best, and then recognize that the infinite consciousness of which you are an individualized expression will take care of everything else. Just do your best and surrender the rest. This episode of the Kriya Yoga podcast was made possible by donations from Kriya Yoga apprenticeship students and supporters of our Patreon community at www.patreon.com forward slash Kriya Yoga.